1: Hello and welcome to this month's Patreon preview. If you are curious about Patreon and want to hear what is available if you sign up then please stick around for this little episode. I mention Patreon on every episode so at the beginning of each month I'm going to give you a little preview of what is available on patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories. You can sign up to Patreon for either $2 or $5 a month to get all of the main and mini episodes of real life ghost stories completely ad free. There are also extra film reviews, giveaways, bonus Q&A's and much, much more. Remember, Patreon is entirely flexible and you can delete your pledge instantly at any time. For $2 a month, you get access to over 50 episodes of bonus content and for $5 a month, you get access to over 180 extra episodes. Every Monday, I release an episode of Tiny Tales on the $5 tier. Sometimes it's a collection of spooky stories. Sometimes it's a special guest episode where a knowledgeable person comes on and tells their own paranormal tales. And for this month's Patreon preview, I am bringing you a snippet of an episode with my wonderful friend, Tim Cloak. Tim is a very knowledgeable historian and he comes on quite regularly to talk about stories of the paranormal that he has researched from his local area, which is the southwest of England. I hope you enjoy this little preview and remember you can sign up on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash real life ghost
0: stories. So today, the small town of Great Torrington prides itself on having a history and a sense of tradition out of all proportion to its size. It is a resisted growth in all but its most easterly dimensions, hemmed in by common land and granted over 800 years ago. While no longer kept bare by sheep and lazily grazing Devon red cattle, it remains under the stewardship of the town's conservatives. In 2019, Torrington was named the healthiest place to live in the UK, with the Commons now a paradise for walkers and children playing hide and seek and an enviable number of independent businesses and traders of wholesome goods. I know I'm not being hired by the local tourist board to say this. I just want to try to give a flavour of the town. Every year, Torrington plays host to a traditional Mayfair with maypole dancing, music and a fun run up the sheer hill atop which the town stands. Having done this run, it's anything but fun. I can tell you that. This tradition harks back to the granting of a free fare to the town, which brought buyers and sellers from far and wide gaining access to the town across the three bridges across the fast waters of the River Torridge to which Torrington owes much of its importance as a transport hub of the past. One such steep path leads up to the 19th century penny market. This still has a host of stalls, delicatessens, craft shops. But previously, donkeys laden with produce in their pannier baskets laboured up Castle Hill so that the small small smallholders could make their living. However, human habitation in this place goes back a lot further than the Middle Ages. The River Torridge, from which, like I say, Torrington takes its name, has its origins in a lost Celtic language, that of the Dumnoni tribe. Tori meaning lively or violent, descriptive of the fast running waters through the Torridge Valley, in contrast to the slower, calmer River Tor, which runs nearby, and whose name is derived in the same way. The remnants of an Iron Age or even earlier hill fort is on the outskirts of the town, and several other forts of Roman origin and even burial mounds of the Bronze Age people still, still peer above the skyline of the many rolling hills. It is sometimes said, unkindly, but not without a pinch of accuracy, that the West Country can be a bit wha- backwards and slow to catch on to all the modern world has to offer. Some of this is demographic young people feeling that they have to move away to prosper, some of it is geographic. Settlements tend to be isolated, small, and linked by hair-raising, sunken lanes, designed for nothing faster than a rather tired mule. Some of it is willful. People want to hold on to their rustic identity and have a suspicion that the new is not always better than the old. It was in this small town that I grew up, and right from my earliest school years, the place was alive with folklore and ghostly tales. Some relate to hauntings experienced by people in recent times, but others are folktales passed down the generations with their far-fetched nature willfully ignored. In this chat, I'm hoping that we'll be able to have a look at some of my favourites, either because they are so famous in the town, or because I've heard people tell the stories and then seen the terror and fascination in their eyes for myself. So we shall start with Lady Fisher's house. Anything you want to ask first of all?
1: Not that I want to ask, I just think it's wild that it hasn't grown. Like, I know that it's obviously geographical reasons for that, like you said, Mm. but isn't that so interesting? Like the the village that I grew up in, I mean, I didn't even grow up in the village. I grew up in like rural, rural Ireland. And then the closest village was teeny tiny when I was growing up. And then it's like slowly expanded over time and housing estates have been built and whatever. But I just can't believe it. It hasn't really grown.
0: Yeah. I mean, this common land that was granted to the town that was uh, granted in 1194, I mean, that's just so mind-blowingly long ago. Um, but it's, that exact land has just been completely untouched ever since. It was, like I say, practically used for grazing earlier on, but now it's just uh, an absolute um, paradise for for footpath walking and uh, dog walking. It's, it's just a, a wonderful place. And it, there is physically only one direction that can go in. But this, I don't want to give the impression that Torrington has always been this absolute backwater. Um, there's about 6,000 people live there now, but you know, even 250 years ago, there were about two and a half, three thousand people living here. And at one time it was in the top two percent of populated pe- places in the actual country. So it was really important at one time. But of course, because it's so hemmed in, it's just not grown. So maybe we're wow. our, our own worst enemies in that respect.
1: I also wanted to point out that I know you said, you know, um, you know, tongue in cheek that you don't work for the tourist board.
0: Yeah. Of, uh, maybe you should. Well, maybe I should. Um, perhaps that's part of my role as a, as a teacher is I'm educating people about the lovely places that are nearby, but you're going to come down whenever you like, you know, I've got the spare room, I've got I a pub know. under my stairs.
1: I know I do need to go. I, it's been a long time since I've been in the duck and bastard.
0: Mm. Well, it would be happy to welcome you back and I'll, I'll show you some of these hills and tell you some of these stories there it, on location. So shall we continue to our very first set of stories? Yes, let's go for it. Right, so these stories are all going to be about a place called Lady Fisher's House. Every town needs one. The haunted house. Lady Fisher lived in a grand house on a hill overlooking Torrington from the south, itself impressive given the height at which Torrington sits on its own. To the best of my knowledge, Lady Fisher died in the 1980s. But nevertheless, anyone over the age of about 35 still remembers it by this name, even though it is more formally known as Cross House. Everyone, and I mean everyone, knew someone who had told them a story from Cross House. It is said that the walls of the hallway bled with the sticky red blood of soldiers killed during the English Civil War. Another tale told of the Grand Staircase having been taken from another house in nearby Kilcantham, which is true. And that the Lady of the House was manifesting as an apparition gliding down the stairs, only to arrive in the hall tormented and lost in unfamiliar surroundings. Also true, if you want to believe it. At some point, around 150 years ago, the upper floor of the house was removed. Possibly for reasons of budgeting. Possibly because of fire damage. However, those who sleep in the upstairs bedrooms hear the distinct creak of pacing feet on long-removed floorboards and staircases as they draw the bedsheets nervously up over sleepless eyes. We've all heard these stories, surely. However, perhaps part of the mystique is in that Cross House remains a private residence to this day. I only know two people who have even knocked on the door. I know none who have actually ventured inside. And by all accounts, the current occupants live a comfortable, if rather isolated life nestled in the wooded grounds at the end of a grand driveway surrounded by bleating sheep. How many ghost stories have we told or been told that are more imaginative than really the partly known true stories that they may have heard? However, i would be rather short changing you and all of our listeners if I restricted my tales to the area of Crosshouse to just the imaginations of school children and believe me, we told each other enough stories just to give us the odd nightmare. Crosshouse lies on the ancient route to Plymouth, many miles to the south. In medieval times, Torrington was unusual in having not one but two stone bridges crossing the River Torridge. The older of the two was built in the 1200s, and despite widening 500 years ago, it remains only wide enough for the backsides of two horses pulling a cart, or, in more modern times, one car to cross at any one time. From this bridge, the road winds through the former leper colony of Taddyport, whose name rather unkindly translates to the entrance of the toad people which was related to the context of the unfortunate and disfigured re- residents of the Hospital of St. Mary Magdalene as they tended their stripped fields along the floodplain, two of which remain. The fields, not the lepers, I should say. But a more modern horror disgraced the alarmingly steep sunken road up to Cross House. In 1854, many local women worked as glove makers in their own homes, selling their completed gloves in the town, and then making the perilous journey back into the countryside with their earnings. One unfortunate woman named mary richards was followed by a local man who brutally attacked her with a hammer at the fork in the road near cross house she was dragged and left for dead in a ditch by a gate next to a couple of fir fir trees only to be found there a day later still clinging to life she lived only long enough to provide sufficient evidence for her violator to be arrested and later hanged at exeter jail now for some personal context when i'm feeling especially brave i sometimes run up this hill to cross house or more usually the longer and slightly more gentle slope that joins the road at the fork. It's a brutal climb of over 300 feet, and many times I've had to run it up through the rain and the mist and the depths of a winter's night guided only by a head torch in the dark. And as my head torch beams around this sunken Devon Devon Valley, there can be the nerve-wracking experience. Shapes seem to leap from the hedges at you, which mostly turn out to be mist patches. Shadows flip past the road as some unseen creature breaks the beam of light. On more than one occasion, figures seemed to loom in the gateways, causing me to catch my already laboured breath. However, the fact is, I did all of this terrifying running before I knew anything about the murder of poor Mary Richards, who I only learned about when researching for the poisonous cabinet. So, I asked local people for their stories. What I heard made even this sceptic's blood freeze in his veins, and I don't know how I'll run that route again at night. Three people that I've spoken to claim to have heard screams and begging for mercy when walking or cycling on that road. One swore swore blind that he had seen a woman in white climbing the road only to disappear as he tried to catch up to ask if she was safe and well. It turns out that for years, stories of a woman in white appearing in the most sunken part of the ancient and eroded lane have abounded. The most chilling part is that this crime really happened. But having read the court proceedings, I shudder to report that the bank, gateway and ditch in which Paul Mary was left bleeding and alone and are still there, albeit overgrown and little used in recent decades. One always proceeds down a Devon Lane with a healthy caution. But here, on the road up to Cross House, Lady Fisher's house, one treads lighter than almost anywhere.
1: Nobody has been... Nobody you know has been in this house.
0: Nobody I know... Well, there's maybe one person who might have done some renovations there in the 70s. But we all had stories about it, and yet no one I actually know has, has been in there. Do you think no, that no, no, nobody no, no.
1: is do you think that nobody's been in because it's one of those things where it's like this is a local urban legend, but like I'm not going to be the one to go in there?
0: I, I think it's as much about the fact that it's just someone's house and you don't just go randomly walking into oh, yeah, someone's house as anything true. else yeah. I guess
1: in my head, I was imagining it as like a an old ruin, but if it's mm. just somebody's house. And it, so there's somebody that lives there. Do you know the somebody that lives there?
0: Uh, I do. I'm not going to say their, their name on the yeah, podcast, but, uh, but I would recognise them in town and uh, I, know, I know them by name. They don't know me though, but you know, the person who lives in the massive house at the age of town tends to be a bit of a local celebrity. Yes. What I can say more personally, when I say I know a couple of people who've knocked on the door, I'm not one of them. Um, I remember uh, years ago when I was probably about 11 or 12 years old, we used to do a bit of a charity thing, uh, raising money for the local brass band. We call it band week. And it was always the thing that during the week after school, we'd go knocking on doors and people would make donations in cash or goods or whatever. And we'd have like a big jumble sale at the end of the week. And um, on one particular round, we'd been asked to do Taddyport, this little village, the, the former leper colony village, village with the unkind name. And that included going up to Cross House afterwards. And there was three of us there. There was, uh, there was me, Nicola, and my, my mate Ryan. And we had a proper argument as to who was actually going to go up to the house and knock on the door, because none of us wanted to do it. We were all really, really scared. So in the end, it was Ryan who went and did it. And uh, he came kind of hurrying back. And we said, oh, what did you get? What did you get? He said, oh just a tin of beans and he held up this tin of beans, which had been given by the household there. And we thought that he was going to tell us some some dreadful ghost story. But he, what he did tell to us, he was just trying to peer around the corner and have a look on the inside and never really got anywhere. Um, but I think the thing that always terrified us as kids is that we all had these stories and we all heard from somebody who had heard from somebody else. And it's just incredible how a place like that can have that kind of mystique. And it's a pretty frightening looking place as well. Hopefully I'll be able to send you a photograph that I took just yesterday of, the, of uh, Cross House up on top of the hill with the, the storms that we've been having here in, in England brewing behind. And I think it, it speaks to the drama of the place. Rory and Kid here from the award-winning podcast, This Paranormal Life. Every week we investigate a paranormal story and decide if it's real or a hoax. Like the time a guy claimed he punched Bigfoot. Or when a UFO showed up at a football game in front of thousands of people. Each episode has sound effects, music, and storytelling that feels so real, you'll never sleep again. You will. Stop it, you're gonna scare away new listeners. Check out This Paranormal Life every Tuesday, wherever you listen to your podcasts.